It was a disaster at Boston College on Saturday night as Boston College was demolished by NC State. We're going to dive into all the ups and downs from a very depressing game and get into what happened and why it did. All of this and more on today's Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. Thank you all for listening, and thank you all of you who have made Locked On Boston College your first listen to every morning. On today's show, what was that? Boston College had every opportunity to beat NC State on Saturday. In the third quarter, it all went away, and BC loses their second game of the season. We're going to get into everything that went into this mess. We'll start here on Locked On Boston College. So, let's get into it. BC... NC State. So I was at campus. I was in the press box. I, I, I got my chance to be in again. And let me first say, the fans, you rocked on Saturday. It was awesome to see everything. I mean, I got to campus around like 6 for a 7.30 game. Uh, you know, I can't tailgate or anything because I'm in the press box. But the campus was insane. Fans everywhere. They had a band playing. There was music. There were people were having a great time. And then the game was started, and so, you know, Jeff Halfley he he set the, he set the expectation that fans get in there early. They did, I think, for the most part. Students were awesome. BC and NC State they start the game. Both teams trade off touchdowns. I'm like, wow, this is going to turn into a battle, a slog. I mean, a uh, a shootout. That's not really what happened. So, after the first touchdown, both teams they they start playing field position battles, and you know, Grant Carlson has a great punt. You see some great running from Patrick Garwo. Even Dennis Grossell had a few good passes. But what we ended up seeing is both teams not being able to score. And Boston College had the opportunity to take an early lead, and they failed. They failed. Dennis Grossell made an excellent pass to Trey Berry in the end zone. It was a pass that maybe was a little bit too much air underneath it. But Barry, he gets up there, he catches it, but the NC State defender punches the ball loose. So it's an incomplete pass. They lose seven points there because that would have been a touchdown. Instead, they go for a field goal. Connor Lighton misses the field goal. They lose the points there instead. Then NC State has the opportunity. They go down the field and they make some plays. Devin Leary, their quarterback's looking good. They throw a pass to Amika Amizi, their, their all-time leading wide receiver now. And he catches it, moves upfield, and then the ball is punched out. And BC recovers the ball at the NC State 10-yard line. Call on the field is an incomplete pass. They review it. I, I'm telling you, it was a fumble. It was absolutely a fumble. The call goes against Boston College. NC State kicks a field goal and goes up 10-7. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter afterwards. But you think of all those points there. BC loses points because the refs give the ball to NC State. They lose points because they can't score a touchdown. That kind of stuff started adding up. And then then the fates after halftime completely turn against Boston College. First of all, after teams trade punts, BC punts again. Grant Carlson takes his eye off the punt and just drops it. And NC State just picks it up and waltzes into the end zone. 
like completely just a pointless touchdown. One that should have been, I mean, it, it was a, it was a mental mistake. That's all you can call that on Grant Carlson. After such a great season, that was such a bad mental mistake. He made it. He lives up to it, right? NC State also scores on a nice drive. I, that one, I mean, it is what it is. They they played well. They they did what they had to do there, and then um, Taylor Thayer Thomas, their shifty wide receiver, uh, blasts through uh, look like two BC defenders on an eighty yard touchdown run, and so all of a sudden everything is is on its on its head. Now it's like a twenty point swing. And Boston College is now their offense is now out of sync because they can't run the ball because there's not enough time, and they're forced to throw the ball with Grossell, who a isn't very accurate. He can't throw a long ball, and the wide receivers. I mean, Grossell had his issues. The wide receivers weren't doing him any favors too because they dropped I think twelve passes in this game. Jaden Ta- Jaden Williams, excuse me, had a miserable game, um, and he was one of the culprits. But he 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 dropped some. And then the interception that Grossell throws that kind of really sealed it was right to a wide receiver who caught it, got smacked, the ball went right in the air, and right to an NC State defender. So BC's offense, they're not doing anything. They're not running the ball anymore. They're they're going three and out all over the place. Grossell just looks miserable. It's just a bad ending. And BC's down 31-7 going into the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, I was sitting in the press box going, God, please just end because it was just bad watching it. But BC does nothing. NC State ends up adding two more points on a block, I mean, a safety on Peter Stair in the end zone. Um, and then we're, that was it. That was it for BC. It was a miserable game. It was fluky, and we'll talk about that, why some of it was fluky, but it was still bad. Like, there was no way of getting around it. It was a bad game. Bad on all three levels. It was bad at coaching. I was not a fan of some of the coaching decisions. I talked about um, how Frank Sagnetti kind of just got discombobulated. I thought the defense played okay, but those two big explosives they allowed, they let a a 40-yard touchdown catch at the beginning of the game and an 80-yard one later. That was it. That's all it took. So BC's 4-2. It's a disappointing loss. Really puts back into perspective where this team is. Um, but there's still a lot of room that, to talk about other things. And we're going to get into the offense in just a moment with Mitch Wolf. We'll get into all the ups and downs and where that offense looked. But before we do that, Prize Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players of the Power Five as well as mid-major players you might not have even heard of. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdown and even interceptions thrown. Prize Picks even allows mixed entry sports, uh, sports entries, excuse me. So you could take Chris Sale and Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, and it's easy to make withdrawals. So check out Prize Picks and use promo code Locked On or go to your App Store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. This is Locked On Boston College, A.J. Black here. Along with me, I have Mitch Wolf, and we're going to talk about Saturday's disaster against NC State. Mitch, how's it going? How you how you hanging in there? I know you went in as a fan. Yeah, my, um, I'm just going to apologize at first because my voice is a little hoarse from yelling. So I uh, apologize to people listening, but I'm going to do my best to fight through it. <laughs> All right, so we were talking in the first segment. We kind of broke down everything that happened in the game. Um, we're going to look into the two segments that I think that are important the offense and the defense. We can add special teams in there too. Cause obviously that was very impactful in the game, Mitch, 
let's start with the offense and the, you know, my bosses have told me to talk about what people want to talk about. And it seems like one name is just popping up over and over and over and over and over and over again. And that is Dennis Grossell. Let's talk about Grossell. What you watched the film back a second time. Let's hear about what your thoughts were about his performance. Right. So there's a lot that went into this. And the first thing I want to say is that this, the final score was a little deceptive as to how the game played out like i've heard from a friend that somebody on boston sports radio said something to the effect of it looked more like bc high was playing nc state than actual bc which i would quibble with but you know it's boston sports radio talking about bc i'm they probably didn't even watch the game but i digress anyways um i don't think a ton of this was on grossell he had a lot of drops namely from Jaden williams who didn't catch any of his targets uh trey barry had dropped zay flowers had drops and obviously there were still plays that grossell left out there where he just didn't throw accurate balls I, amazingly, there's. I don't think the offense is. They're still asking him to do too much. Like they tried that deep shot to Flowers twice, and you know they were more on target maybe than they have been. But he just still just can't hit him accurately and giving him a good chance to catch it. So like one was underthrown, so it got broken up, and the other one was just too far out in front of him. So I don't understand why that play is still in the playbook, or why they're not telling him to hey hit the underneath receiver or hit somebody else. Um, so that's just frustrating. I, I I don't put a ton of this on Grossell because. He was pretty good for the first half. And then in the second half, um, everything just kind of got away from BC with just some kind of fluky plays and how things went. So like the interception wasn't his fault. It got tipped in the air. That's I'm not putting that on him. So, you know, it's still frustrating, but I, I don't, I don't put a ton of blame uh, on his shoulders. So with Grossell, you saw what we saw, but the, the piece that I, you know, it, we, and you can talk away some of the things that he did. And I know some of it was still frustrating and f- people need a scapegoat and he's the easiest one to, to land at. My bigger issue and people aren't getting there is the, the run game. In the first half, you saw Patrick Garwo and Alex Singfield look strong. They were av- halfway said it in the press conference. They were both averaging six yards a carry. And then the second half, they rushed the ball, I think, six times. And one of those was the safety by Peter Stair. Mm-hmm. So my bigger concern is BC had the bread and butter going. And then once a little thing goes against them, they just completely unglue and go against everything that was going for them. If you, if you were Frank Signetti, I know there was like a huge swing in, in momentum there. Would you have abandoned the run like he did? I mean, so I think on those early drives, they still were trying to run the ball a little bit and it just wasn't going anywhere. And I'm gonna have to watch it back because, you know, in the first half, they were just clearing holes with ease the whole time. And then the second half, they just, the holes weren't there. I just need to see like, did NC State change how they were running their defense or were they just playing better? So I'm not exactly sure what the case was there. I'll have to watch it again and, you know, put a closer eye on that. But I think of, of all the things that happened, I think that is the most concerning just during like how the run game is sputtered. Not necessarily that they went away from it, but just like, okay, like why did this get taken away to such an extent? Like, you know, the stat is that they had minus three yards of the half, which it's a little misleading because that includes Dennis Crisell's sack yardage, the Carlson fumbled punt. So, you know, not, not much of that is on the running backs, but they still weren't able to gain many yards. So, and I mean, yeah, the first half was incredible. Like, Garwo had a great run where he had would have made Andre Williams or AJ Dillon proud, or he just trucked over a defender. Sinkfield ripped off some really nice plays where he saw some good cutback lanes and got upfield. So, again, I was really impressed with the first half performance. I know NC State is a good defense, so that's part of it. But 
yeah, I'm, that's something I'm going to be looking into is like, why just, why did the run game completely sputter out in the second half? And I, I you know, everyone gives credit to Halfley and I'm not here to bash him. I, I mean, I've seen people on social media and some people need to just chill out, <laughs> like mm-hmm. just breathe to realize. I wonder how much of this, like the game just got away from them is Halfley being a new head coach. Like maybe that's, and he talks about it all the time that he has things that he needs to learn. And Mm -hmm. I've asked him before what that means, because it can be a generic thing. And I kind of want to know what he means. It's (laughs) it's not just BS. Um, And he's been able to say it, you know, he'll tell you what it is, but I wonder if that's a piece that he needs to learn to work on. Like, it seems like this game, Virginia tech last year, Mm -hmm. when things don't go their way, like the game plan just kind of unravels. And maybe that's just being a young coach that he needs a little bit more seasoning with that to prevent that from happening. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I, I would definitely agree with that because like uh, that's this game was tied for his biggest loss in terms of like the point margin, um, both were 26 point losses. And, you know, when I think about the Virginia tech game, you know, that's a game where you kind of throw things, I would say throw it out because you had like three fumbles. Um, you had Jerkovic throwing a really bad interception. And, you know, I think that one, the, the game got away from them over a longer standpoint. So I was less okay with that. This game, like, Come out of the half, you have a brutal special teams mistake that turns into a touchdown. Next play, you have a tipped ball interception, and then it's just it's twenty four seven. You're like, okay, like, uh, and that was in the course of you know maybe five minutes of game time. So like, and I, I definitely agree with you that you know that is something that is I think it's probably pretty hard for a coach how to learn to you know rally your team when everything just kind of blows up in a matter of minutes. So you know it is only his second year. He's obviously it's his first head coaching gig, so he does have to learn that. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure he's well aware of that because, you know, I, I'm, he's obviously not happy with this result. You know, this was supposed to be like a really big game for them. You know, I, I think if you, you told anybody, any BC fan that the two losses would come to NC state and Clemson and one loss was 33 to seven and the other one was 20 to 13 or whatever, or 19 to 13, you probably would have flipped the teams, but you know, so it, I, I definitely agree with you though on this point. Okay. So here's our last question before we hit the break. Um, the, the big question, do you think Dennis Grossell should be benched? No, because I, 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 you know, we're, we're kind of turning into the Dennis Grossell stands of the BC community, I guess, but like, I, 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 like I've said, you know, I, I, I definitely know that he doesn't have the physical ability to maybe hit some of those deeper throws, but there are plays where he can deliver the ball very well in the intermediate middle of the field area. He get can get the ball to the edges on some nice routes. I just think, I think he's, pushing he's pressing too much i think he wants to make those big plays i think you said it last week like he wants to kind of be the hero sometimes and you know i think he's got and in the first half he did a better job of playing a structure and it was fine but and so that's part of like you think about how the game gets away from you and you know as the coach you could try to get the guys but then there are guys like maybe grossell who's like okay like i gotta bring us back so i'm gonna try to make these plays and sometimes it just doesn't happen so i i don't think it's that he can't get the job done i mean the other, the other part of this is like these were in terms of just talent, these were BC's two best opponents of the season so far by a pretty wide margin, I would say. So, you know, obviously it's kind of a blowout loss. Like I said, I don't think it's really indicative of how the game really went. Um, but, you know, he's got some, I think some games that he can kind of get back to being a, a really good quarterback for us in the next two weeks with Louisville and Syracuse, and then kind of, you know, go into the Virginia tech game off of some nice performances and kind of get back on track. All right, Mitch. So in a moment, we're going to talk about the defense. We'll talk more about Dennis Grossell throughout the week because that's what everyone wants to talk about. So (laughs) 
We're going to talk first about Built Bar, though. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors? They are 100% covered in chocolate. They're a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. You need to check them out. They have some great flavors right now, including the limited time flavor cookie dough chunk, which I have two boxes in my garage. I have one every day around 2.30. Gives me the boost I need to get through my long days. They also have flavors such as coconut, coconut, almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. Most flavors, they're pretty good for you. They got 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and four net carbs. How are you going to beat that? Now head on over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll receive 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. This is AJ Black. I am here with uh, Mitch Wolf, and we're talking about the disaster at Chestnut Hill uh, game. BC lost 33 to seven on Saturday. And we talked about the offense for a little bit. And uh, Mitch gave his thoughts on Grossell and uh, the running backs. We didn't get into the offensive line, which I should probably ask you. How do you think the offensive line did? Going back, I thought, like I said, the first half was awesome in terms of running the ball. I thought they were, I thought they were very good in pass protection. I thought they did a great job of picking up stunts, which is something they've kind of struggled with. Um, in weeks past, I thought they did a great job passing those off. The running backs were actually very good in pass protection, which is something I thought they had struggled with early in the season. So, you know, I thought they played really well. The receivers were more frustrating for me just because of those drops. Like, I really hope they start involving Jalen Gilmore and kind of phase Jaden Williams out because he's had a few bad weeks now. All right. So let's go on to the defense. And I made a point on uh, BC Bulletin that I thought the defense minus two big plays had a really good game. Mm -hmm. And I, as I said, that's kind of like saying um, it's one of those moments where it's like, well, how Mrs. Lincoln, how, how, how was the rest <laughs> of the play? Um, <laughs> um, because you can't just take those out. Um, you had that 80 yard touchdown pass to Thayer Thomas and the unbelievable fluky catch um, against um, Elijah Jones in that first quarter. I, I, I was watching that from the press box. I still can't believe that guy caught it. Like it just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's you can't knock. You can't, you know, I'm sure BC fans, some of them probably were tweeting out, you know, their hate messages about that. Pathetic, pathetic. That was complete fluke, you know. Um, yeah. And Jones did everything he should have done in that play and just got mm-hmm. burned. Um, what did you think of the defense overall? Yeah, I agree. With you. I thought it was pretty good for the most part. I mean, I think Hasselbeck called it out in the broadcast and watch back. He says, Elijah Jones in perfect coverage here. There's nothing really he could do. Like he just kind of felt the ball get tipped. He's like, okay, like the ball's gone, but that guy just made an incredible catch. I mean, so you can call that a fluky play. I think that, you know, there's the question of on the NC state drive right before the half where they had the completed pass that was a fumble, but they ruled it an incomplete pass. I, I think it was a fumble. I'm probably biased, but you know, it was originally called incomplete. So they're going to stick with the call, but that's, that's a big swing because if BC gets that fumble, it's tied going into the half. So that's big. Um, yeah. I mean, first half was great. You know, they let up that fluky touchdown in the first half and every other drive, except for that driver, they had, they forced the fumble. It was a punt and you know, that's great. The next half, you know, they don't, I'm not blaming the defense for the punt. Obviously um, they kind of, they don't really have a short field against the interception, but um, and state takes that drives down the field. I think that was of all their touchdowns. That one was the most legitimate, I would say, because yep. they did, drove down the field, got in the red zone, scored the touchdown, whatever. The Thayer Thomas touchdown was just bad because it, I mean, it's explosive. It's kind of fluky, but you know, you're just kind of, I think some guys were kind of freelancing, you know, they maybe got out of their assignments and then today or Thomas burns you deep. So, you know, I thought they did a really good job handling the running backs, you know, they Bam Knight and Ricky persons junior never really burnt them a lot. 
And I'll just give a lot of credit to Devin Leary because like he played really well. He's he was a lot better than I thought he would be. You know, he's very accurate. was a really nice ball. So, you know, I'll give him all the credit in the world because I thought he played really well. And he was a big reason why NC State was able to win. Yep. And, you know, I I think they are just solid. There's nothing spectacular about Mm -hmm. NC State's offense. You know, you saw Mika Mizi make a couple catches. You saw Mm -hmm. Thayer Thomas. They do. They all do some things. And Mm -hmm. that that makes a good team. Right. Yeah, it's not like a top heavy team like BC where you lose Phil Dracovic and it's like, what the heck is going on? And like, that's the thing is like, if you give this, so, you know, BC holds them to not a lot in the first half, they get a few breaks that go their way with a, you know, special teams touchdown and an interception and suddenly it's 24 to seven. So, you know, that's what, when you're a solid team, like this is kind of like what Iowa was able to do with the first few weeks, like get an elite defense, their offense is okay. And, you know, they were able to beat teams by a lot because they forced a ton of turnovers. But when they don't get the turnovers, then their whole team kind of falls apart. So, you know, that's kind of what I think we saw with NC State is when you have a solid team that gets a few breaks, they can have some really um, impressive wins. Yeah, and I it, it, it seems like the, the the game in a circle now is going to be NC State and Wake Forest, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, two solid teams, and you know, I don't – at this point, I had no clue who would win that game. I, I think <laughs> I'd go with Wake Forest a little bit, but – I'm not sure. Um, now with the defense, I thought the the defensive line played pretty well too. They, I know they only got one sack, um, but I saw some good pressure up front. Uh, they they seem to do a nice job of um, getting to, to Devin Leary at times. Uh, it just like last year though, it seems like with that line, it's always just a step too late. They don't get the mm-hmm. the sack. What was your thoughts on the defensive line? Yeah, there were a few times where that happened. I thought Marcus Valdez played really well. He was my second star in my three my three stars uh, article. Um, he only played 22 snaps, but he had three tackles, a tackle for loss, a sack, a batted pass, um, and he pressured the QB a good bit, which was great. And what I was saying is that, you know, if Marcus Valdez can just prove to be a consistent performer who can win his one-on-ones, then offenses are going to shift their focus towards eliminating him, which should theoretically open up better matchups for guys like Sheeta Salah, Brandon Barlow, and even some of the interior defensive pet rushers. And, you know, I saw D, uh, the defense try to run some more line games, some stunts and twists to try to get them open on pass rushes. And I, I thought relative to how they've been playing the last few weeks, I thought this was the defensive line's best performance. In terms of the other units, you know, I'm, I thought they were mostly impressive. Again, you know, I think the first half was where the game was really, like, competitive and they did a really good job, you know, forcing Leary to make some tight window throws and he was able to do it sometimes other times he wasn't. Um, and like I said, the old defense did a good job of stopping the run game, which was a big part of uh, NC state's offense. Now, before we go, um, I want to talk a little bit about um, I'm not going to talk about the Grant Carlson thing. Cause that was just fluky. It looked like he just took his eyes off the ball. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's just wrap this conversation up about this game. Do you, where are your expectations for BC that I, I still feel like they're solidly a bowl team. I think, you know, this, as, as I watch this back as just, as you said, this was a, a bad looking outcome, but with a lot of weird stuff that went on in it. Um, and I think, you know, go, moving forward, hopefully they can learn from some of that and, and fix some things. I still think this team could win six, seven games. Where are you at with them? I'm absolutely on the same boat. You know, I think if you played this game, if you like simulated it 10 times, I think it probably goes 500. Maybe NC State wins six and we win four. But, you know, going into the season, I think we all kind of said that, you know, eight and four is kind of, it'd be nice, but it would be kind of disappointing based on the talent. And especially, but then after Phil goes down, you're like, okay, well now we'd be lucky to get eight, four. And 
sitting at four and two right now, halfway through the season, I, I still think eight and four is definitely within the cards. I know that Louisville opened as big favorites against BC, which is pretty surprising to be honestly. Um, but I think they've got two wins. It should be relatively easy in the next few weeks. I think they can be Virginia tech at home. I think wake will be tough. And then, you know, there's still one loss that they could have in there. So I, I still think eight and four is in the cards. Um, I definitely think they're a bowl team, no question. You know, if they can kind of get some of the things on the offense fixed and get them just playing more consistently, I think eight and four is still in the cards and maybe they can go to a bowl game that isn't in a baseball stadium. Yes, thank you. I do not want to go to Fenway Park and I do not want to go to Pinstripe Bowl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, both mis- going to be miserable. I mean, they're both winter games in a, fo- in a baseball stadium. I'm done with them. Uh, so, Mitch. Uh, we'll talk again tomorrow with you. Um, and I get some questions. Of more, we're going to talk more about Grossell and the quarterback situation. Cause I know you probably have some insight on how that works. Um, we'll talk a little bit about, more about that, but where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me at Mitchell T Wolf, W O L F E uh, mostly tweeting about, you know, just general football stuff. Um, Steelers, uh, Boston college, obviously NFL, NFL draft. Um, yeah. Just follow me there. You know, just got over 400 followers, which is very exciting. But uh, if you haven't followed me yet, please do. I'd really appreciate it. And this is AJ Black. You can follow me on Twitter at AJ Black underscore BC. I may have a blue check mark. I may not. Depends on what week it is with Twitter. Um, they decide to just remove my verification every now and then. Um, but right now, the battle, I between, the battle between AJ and Twitter verification is one for the ages. Well, Locked On is supposed to cut all that red tape for me soon. So <laughs> hopefully I won't have them removing my like accidentally verifying me or whatever's going on. Um, so hopefully that'll be fixed. But anyways, you can follow me on there. Uh, follow Locked On Boston College on YouTube. If you are a YouTube user, all you have to do is find us, hit subscribe. It helps us a ton. Check that out. And find me on BC Bulletin. I am the uh, editor and publisher there. So with Mitchell Wolf, thank you all uh, for stopping by and we'll talk again soon. Take care.